gonna give him praise. You know, he's great. He's great in my life. So let us look to God in prayer as we prepare to worship the Lord through our giving. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your promise in your word that give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, you will cause men to give into our bosoms. And so, God, we say thank you for the promise of your word as we do our best and make our best efforts to follow you at your word. So, God, bless the gift and the giver. It's in the name of Jesus we do pray. And we all said, Amen. Let us stand all over the sanctuary and follow the instructions of the ushers. Uh, you can also give electronically through the Greater Bellwood Baptist Church app and through our website. And if you cannot process around, please just step to the outside of the aisle. Amen. Yeah. 
all these years. How did I make it this far? Through the valleys and over the hills. I know it had to be God. How did I make it through the storms? How did I make it through the rain? If you want to know just how I got here, it's so easy to explain. It was God's grace. It was God's grace. It was God's grace. It was God's grace. And I made it. It was God's grace. It was God's grace. His amazing grace. And I made it. Lord, I thank you for how you brought me. How you brought me through the night. Lord, you kept me, and you never left me. You stood by my side. There were so many times when I came so close. Old man death, he tried to take me in. But the reason I'm here, it's not hard for me to see. In fact, it's so easy for me to explain. It was God's grace. It was God's grace. It was God's grace. His amazing grace. And I made it. It was God's grace, His amazing grace, and I made it. Anybody want to know just how I got here? Anybody want to know how I'm still standing? And I made it. And I, and I made it God. It was God's grace It was God's grace It was God's grace His amazing grace And I made it Let us thank God for the ministry of our male chorus. Amen.
with Brother Dale Wood or want to find good fellowship to unite uh, with our uh, male chorus, amen, as they are making strides to be kingdom, kingdom men, and not only join our male chorus, but come and be a part of our men's ministry uh, this upcoming Saturday, uh, the 16th, our men's ministry will be having their annual cookout at Aaron Cone Middle School. So it's just a time of fun and fellowship uh, where the men of the church come together, young men alike. And so we ask those brothers who are looking for a place to plug in here at Greater Bellwood to come out this Saturday. And I will ask those who are leading the effort uh, with the cookout, if you will please stand. And if you have any more questions or need direction, uh, you can see any of these gentlemen. Amen. And so we'll have board games, card games, no money on the table. No money on the table, but, you know, and no red solo cups, but it'll be good, clean. I'll tell y'all about that story one day. Amen. One day, yeah, I won't tell it now, but yeah, okay. All right, so you can see any of these gentlemen and come on out this Saturday and be a part of that fellowship. If you know a young man who needs direction or mentoring, uh, you bring them on out with you. The young men are usually in the gym uh, playing basketball, and everybody's just having a good time. Let's look to God in prayer before we hear our scripture lesson for today. Oh God, we come now to you who you are the giver of all good and perfect gifts. God, we stand here in the midst of this area recovering from a storm. And God, we lift up those who have been impacted in one way or another. God, we ask now that you be with Reverend Hill and Mrs. Hill as their home was hit by the storm and as they go through the long and tedious process of covering and repairing, God, we ask now that you give grace, you give direction, and God, we ask that you move upon the hearts of those who would want to take advantage of someone else's misfortune. God, be with them and guide their minds to know that trying to get over is not wrong, is not right in the midst of people suffering and people losing all that they had. Some people don't even have the money for temporary shelter, but God, we know that you are a way maker and that you will provide for your children. And God, give us our hearts to be moved with compassion, to not just to sit by, but to be actively engaged and involved because there's one person today, but it may be us or our family member this evening. God, we say thank you. Thank you for the report of what is transpiring here at Greater Bellwood through our stewardship efforts. And God, we say that it is not by any individual personality, but it has been by your power. Because God, we are too feeble to make ways how you make ways. And so we say thank you for being a way maker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. God, that's who you are. Be with our children this day, God those who don't know you in their sinful ways. But God, through your word, we will come to repentance that we will live lives committed to you. It's in the name of Jesus we do pray. And we all said, Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning will come from 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning with verse number 17. It has been read into your hearing during the devotional period, 
but we'll read responsibly at this time. First Kings chapter 17, the continuation from last week, beginning with verse number 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his bed. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, Lord, oh, oh Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul Coming to him again. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. For the time we shared this morning, I want to lift the thought when kingdom provisions become problematic. When kingdom provisions become problematic. In recent months, I've found a new love for the words of, of poetry. There's a particular poem uh, that I want us to go through as a way of of introduction uh, this morning that has been, that has given life in sometimes of the most depressing and distressing situations. The poem goes, when things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have a sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must. But God in heaven knows, don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns. As every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure comes about. Amen. <laughs> Come on, y'all got to help me. <laughs> when... He might have won and had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. When he might have won, but he has stuck it out. But don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You, you may succeed with another blow. I think I just read that. I think it says, so stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. 
poem entitled Don't Quit by John Greenleaf Whitten. This particular poem speaks to the essence of the life of a believer. That it seems like in moments in which, in which God gives you your greatest victory, there's something else that always breaks loose. The grandmother put it this way, if it ain't one thing, it's another. That's where we find in the confines, in the context of our scripture lesson this morning. A prophet, God's preacher, God's chosen servant for this particular time, Elijah is, is sent on a scavenger hunt from God Almighty. Being sent on this scavenger hunt, Elijah is first a fugitive of Israeli justice. And he's on the run for his life. And God gives him refuge for ravens to bring him bread by day and for a brook to provide him nourishment of water. One day, all of a sudden, the text tells us that the raven stops coming and the brook dries up. And God instructs Elijah to go yonder to Zarephath, and, and a widow woman will meet his necessary provision. And in the process of Elijah being on the run, he, Elijah is told by God to go to a place called Zarephath, a, a place that in the Hebrew is translated into a desolate place, a barren place. And not only is Zarephath barren and desolate, it's a desert but it belongs to Zidon, a, 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 a ruler who worshiped idol gods. So it was barren and it was cursed. So if there was any place that God was not supposed to show up, it was in Zarephath. But God tells Elijah and says, Elijah, there's a widow woman. Elijah finds the widow woman at the gate collecting sticks. She says, hey, uh, I'm collecting these sticks. Elijah says, well, fix me a cup of water. She said, okay, that's cool. Then Elijah takes it a step further and says, well, while you give me some water, get me some bread also. This woman says, man, I could give you the water. That's cool. But my oil and my fly, flour, I've, I'm, at my, I'm at the end of the month. And my son, he, my, my husband, I've, I've run out of everything that he left for us. And and me and my son, we're going to eat this last meal, and we're going to die. And Elijah says, woman, if you follow my voice, if you follow what God has told me to tell you, I, I promise you, as long as the Lord lives, if you walk by faith and not by sight, I promise you that what you give unto me, the Lord will give it back unto you. This woman follows the instructions of the prophet Elijah. She walks by faith, and the Bible tells us that when she does that, her flower never gave out, and her oil kept on flowing. As we concluded the sermon on last week, that when you follow the voice of God, God always provides kingdom provisions for those who want to be bound by the instructions of the king. When you listen to the voice of God, God has a way of making sure that sometimes things may get low, but he'll see to it that it'll never run out. 
text tells us that all of this occurs and the woman, her faith is confirmed. Her, her faith is solid. But just like this woman, all of us face a verse 17. Verse 17 of 1 Kings chapter 17 says, and some time passed. At any time, biblical scholars interject a, a time frame, but don't place a specific time on it. That's left up for the reader to whatever some time may be for you. Amen? Some time will always pass in between God's one blessing in your next reality. Bible tells us the woman's faith is confirmed by the blessing that occurs in the opening verses, but some time has passed. It is no longer her flower and her oil because God has taken care of that. But this time, it's her son. Have you ever been there? When God blesses one thing and you've got one thing under control, that don't worry you no more. You, you, can, you can handle that. But the question of the real believer is what happens when God settles one thing but allows something else to happen? You've gotten over one hurt, but here comes another. You, 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 you've received what you've prayed for, and God has provided. But that same thing, in that same context of God providing, God still touches something else. And the thing I've learned in the short time I've been walking with the Lord, that the Lord will sometimes have to keep us on our toes because without trouble, we would think we would do it on, we've done it on our own. That and, when, and when God touches something, God most times doesn't touch that thing that you really don't care about. Right? You know, that thing that you could do without. You know, he, sometimes he doesn't come for that first, Deacon Spivey. Most times he comes and asks for that one thing that you cherish in your heart. Text tells us that when God, in his infinite and unknown wisdom, unknown to us wisdom, he, he, he's provided that this woman will have what she needs to survive physically. But now God decides to touch her only, her only son that would be her standing in society, that understand the, the seriousness of the matter, that the woman is a widow. Because she is a widow, her husband, who was primarily the one, in our terms, who brought home the bacon, the breadwinner, and even if he wasn't the breadwinner because he was living in, uh, they were living in ancient biblical times, he was the only voice that really mattered. This woman is widowed and she's left to care for her son. We don't know if her son has a pre-existing condition. We just know that it's her only son. And by her being a widow, her son would be the only one 
if at all possible, that would be able to plead her case in the public square. So if there came an issue about who owned the property in which she was staying in, since this is Women's Month, amen, uh, and because she, but since she was a woman, if her son dies, the state could come in and take everything in which she had. Y'all follow me? Because she's a woman, she couldn't speak up for herself relating to her own affairs of business. She needed a want, she needed a man even if he didn't know what he was talking about. She would have to tell him what needed to be done because in this day and time, in that day and time, a woman's voice was not welcomed in official matters. And so here it is, her only hope or what she thinks is her only hope of survival. The Bible tells us that he is stricken with some type of issue. And this particular verse is much debated because there are some people who say that, you know, he didn't die, right? And, you know, all that type of stuff. But later on in the text, we see that his soul left him. So now, at this point, her son is dead. So there's no question of whether was he just, you know, having a respiratory issue. But her son is dead, so she has nobody to plead her case. And I can understand the pain that this woman is feeling. Not from the place of losing a child, but the place in which every blood-bought believer has to stand in at some point in their life. That if you walk with the Lord anytime, there is a moment when you have to stand still and figure out what God is doing. Because here it is, she's given God her all in the opening verses. But God still causes heartache and pain to occur in her life. And I don't know about you, you may be more saved than I am. But there are moments in which I know good and well I've been faithful to God. And God still allows stuff to happen in my life that I have to sit back and figure out, God, now what you doing, bruh? You know, I, you know, you told me to do this. I did it. Now you need to leave the rest of this alone. But this particular text lets us know that God is not a spiritual Santa Claus. That there's no way that you can try to bribe God with your good works. That God still won't use your life as an example for somebody else. And that's where the immature believer gets thrown off track. Because the immature believer has been hoodwinked and bamboozled to think that if you do right by God, you get a get-out-of-trouble-free card. Right? That if you try your best to live a faithful life unto God, that you are exempt 
from what everybody else goes through. But, but I've come to report today to you, Brother Greg, that we as believers, we are not exempt, but we are guaranteed to have full coverage. And then that full coverage is contingent upon how you respond to your problematic situation. Here it is, the text tells us that when this woman's son died, in verse number 18, you can hear the tone of her anger and disappointment. Because here it is, there's this preacher who's told her that if you do this, God's going to make a way. And not only did he tell her that, but this woman has gone out of her way and has allowed Elijah to stay in her Airbnb on the top floor. And here's this preacher. You know, I'm not for sure what the arrangement was, but the guest house that was custom for somebody else to stay in, Elijah has taken up residence there. And in the process of Elijah taking up residence, you know, you know how we do. We say, well, you know, if the preacher here, everything probably going to be all right. But the daunting task of leading in ministry in any form, whether you're a preacher or just a Christian, is how do you relate to people when you've told them the goodness of God but then they have to experience the not-so-good of God, of what we deem as not-so-good. Amen? But here it is. You can hear the anger and the disappointment because she says, Hey, Elijah, you know, I did what you told me to do, right? And have you come to take residence in my house, verse number 18, to take the only thing that I have left. And she not only points the issue or her anger at Elijah, but she also has to question God and says, now is God doing this to punish me for the sins that I've committed? There, there, there comes a time in life where you think God is, is punishing you for past stuff. Now that's true. That's partially true, right? But every trial and tribulation is not a punishment. Most of it is a part of the Christian spiritual development. Right? And as a believer, you have to ask yourself, when trouble comes in my life, when, when God's providing in my life becomes problematic, how am I going to respond? And there's only real one true response. That when things occur in your life and you can't understand where it's coming from, that is the number one moment that you trust God. Because that's the only real mark of a believer. Right? I've, I've told y'all this now. It's not about how many scriptures you can quote. Now, how much you can talk, talk in tongues and all that good stuff. But the mark of a believe, true believer 
is do you trust God in every situation of your life? So she tells Elijah her issue. And she has a question of faith in verse number 19. And here it is, Elijah, the priest, the prophet, asked this woman for one more thing. Right? He says, that he doesn't try to explain what has happened. He doesn't try to rationalize with the woman of what has happened. But he gives her, in verse number 19, an invitation to trust God one more time. And that's the most daunting thing preacher or any believer is when you've encountered someone who has been bruised by life and bruised in ways in which we don't understand and some of us will never be able to imagine or experience that our job is not to try to rationalize our job is not to try to explain. Our job is not try to come up with a dissertation. But our job is to live a life that invites people to trust God. Not five more times, but just one more time. And have you been there when it seemed dark and dismal in your life and you didn't want to hear nobody else trying to talk you really didn't even want to hear nobody else praying but you decided to trust God one more time and I've come to tell you those one times add up Whew. that in the heat of the matter it sometimes seems that they aren't connected or they have nothing to do with each other, but we are all testimonies of there have been moments in which we've been put to the test of trying God one more time. And because you are in this sanctuary, you are a testimony that that one time made the world of difference. All right, all right. John Greenleaf Witter says that sometimes life will seem so uphill, and sometimes your, 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 your funds are far much lower and your debts are so much higher, and life is just happening on every hand. But he says, rest if you must. But as the believer, you better not quit. <laughs> because you right now, standing here in this moment, you are a testimony of what trusting God just one more time can do. That everything that you have is the sum total of just one more time. <laughs> so he says, trust God one more time. And I can imagine what was going through this woman's head. Say, man, you know, I tried it your way before. So I'm going to do it my way this time. I'm going to just go ahead and plan the burial for my son. Because up until this point, anybody who's died 
has never come back to life. <laughs> says, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do what I have to do. But verse number 19 tells us that this woman decided to trust God one more time. Gave her most precious love into the hand of this man in whom she didn't know, as my mama says, from Adam's house cat. That the only real record of who this man is is by what God did on their behalf with the flour and the oil. And she says, now I can trust you with flour and oil, but I can't just trust anybody with my child. She gives Elijah the child, and Elijah shows us a more intimate side of himself here. That in, instead of Elijah trying to keep and save faith, Elijah takes the child into the upper room, into this particular upper chamber, and Elijah is perplexed. Which lets us know that as a believer, there are some things that God will do in your life or somebody else's life that's going to cause you trouble and heartache. It's going to cause you not to know what to say or what to do. But in the moments, even when you're not knowing what to do, you just trust. Even when you can't trace them. <laughs> Elijah takes the child. And in the process of taking the child, Elijah cries out to God because Elijah is all messed up by the situation. Elijah is all distraught about the calamity that has occurred in this woman's life because Elijah knows that if she doesn't have a son, she may be too seasoned to start the dating process all over again. That if she doesn't have a son, this woman is going to wither away to her own demise. That people are going to take full advantage of her. That people are not going to give her the opportunity to fend for herself in the public square. So Elijah cries out to God and says, now God, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're doing. I, I don't understand in verse number 20 of why you caused this evil to come upon this woman. You know what she's up against. You know what she's already been through. And God in heaven knows if you don't come through this time, she just may walk away on any faith that she thought about having in you. Elijah, the Bible tells us that Elijah prays that prayer and he covers uh, the child three times. Now, there are many arguments, and I'm not going to get into that of what the three represents. Whatever you want it to represent, that's what it's going to represent today. Amen. <laughs> but you know, about real spiritual, some say he did it one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Ghost. Now, if that's what you want it to be, it can be that today. But that's really not the testimony. The testimony is that even in Elijah's problematic situation, because if Elijah and God don't come through this go-round, Elijah just may get kicked out of his temporary stay place. And if God doesn't come, Deacon Moore said there ain't no, problem, there ain't no issue about it. She's going to say, get your stuff and go. <laughs> and if God doesn't come through this time, 
that this woman, in her opportunity to trust God, she may walk away from whatever faith she was developing. But it's good news to know that as Terry K. Anderson says, when you pray and you pray right, there'll always be a verse 17. But when you pray and you pray right, there'll always be a verse 22. Now, there's a lot of stuff that has occurred in between verse 17 and 22. But there's always the promise, if you trust God and you never doubt, that the Lord will hear your prayer. The Bible tells us when the Lord heard Elijah's prayer, the boy's soul came back into him. That this boy who was dead, Dead, dead. You know, he wasn't just dead. He was dead, dead. Amen. This boy was dead. The Lord allowed something that didn't happen, that, that only happened here, that would only happen to his son, Jesus Christ. That the difference about this boy in Jesus is that although this boy was raised in verse number 22, we don't know when and we don't know where, but this boy died again. So A. Lewis Patterson would say that this was not a resurrection. This was just a resuscitation. Because there's only one person who's died and who rose again and who has never died again. And his name is Jesus Christ. Help me, Holy Ghost. Now, this woman says, okay, Elijah, you've, you've proven to me about your God. And my brothers and sisters, as we get ready to wrap this little sermon up, that's all God, that's the only reason why God sends trouble in your life. That's the only reason why God sends trouble in my life. Because, Brother Madrice, God has far more stuff better to do than to pick on me for my old sins. Because I got too many new ones he's working on. Hey. <laughs> I got, got too many. Amen. That God has much better stuff to do than to pick on me when he sends trouble in my life. But when he sends trouble in my life, it's for my life to be an example to others of what my God can do. Yeah. And you ask the question, well, why did the Lord allow this woman's son to be raised? And I've come to contest today that the Lord wouldn't allow anything to happen to this son before he would allow it to happen to his son first. That because Jesus hung, bled, and died, we have the victory through his glorious resurrection. And that's good news. And that make, that's, that's where uh, Bill and Gail uh, uh, Gaither, that's the mindset they had when they had experienced the loss of a child. And experiencing that loss of a child, they were trying to rationalize with God about, you know, where is God? When children have to suffer. How is it that God will allow that? Plenty more other folks that God could take. But when God allows 
a child to die. And instead of trying to figure out God, they put pen, paper, and said God sent his son. And they called him Jesus. He came to heal, save, and forgive. And if you don't know that particular word or that particular part of the song, they wrote a chorus that said, although there are some things I don't understand, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but as long as he lives, all of my fear is gone. And so when kingdom provision become problematic, just rest in the assurance Everything is going to be all right. Yeah. All right, all right. It may, not, it may not turn out the way that you want it to turn out. But Hasa never it turns out. Because he lives. It's going to be all right. Amen.